to check it out. My name is Marcus. In today's episode, we're going to be talking to Bill Patterson. We will be talking HIV and aged care. LGBTIQ health, lifestyle and community news. Check it out is brought to you by the AIDS Action Council. From Canberra. For everyone. On the show today, we have Bill Patterson. Bill has held a senior role in the National Association of People with HIV Australia since 2015. But it's been part of the Australian response to HIV since the early days where he developed the Inpatient AIDS Unit at St Vincent's Hospital, Sydney. Bill has also been the President of the Northern Territory AIDS and Hepatitis C Council. Bill is a recipient of numerous awards for his contribution to the fight against AIDS over the last 30 years. Bill joins us today by Skype. Hi Bill and welcome to Check It Out. Today we're going to be talking about HIV and ageing. What age is somebody considered to be ageing? So it seems to be that the accepted wisdom is that people living with HIV who are over the age of 50 are considered ageing. That number is quite different when we look at our ability to access aged care services, which is at the age of 65. And it begs the question of what sort of ageing that we are talking about, because 50 years speaks to the issue of chronological ageing, that is the number of years that we've been alive. But then we have this other types of ageing, such as biological ageing, which is when we look at a number of factors in somebody's physical well-being that can give us some idea of what's called biological ageing, which can be different from chronological ageing. The other thing that people talk about when they talk about ageing is emotional or psychological ageing. Probably the best way to understand that is children are emotionally different from adolescents who are are emotionally different from people in their 20s, 40s and 60s. Mm, Good point, good point. So I just want to pick up on a point around accessing aged care services. This is becoming an issue because as we age, as you know, people living with HIV age, the um, kinds of services that we might need to access because of disease progression is not there. So we're having to pay for it. Is that correct? So it's best to, I believe, understand the services that people who are aging might require as functional support services. Mm. And I will preface by saying that the majority of aged care is delivered to people in their homes. It's a common misunderstanding that people think that aged care is what happens in residential aged care services, but that's in fact the smallest part of aged care. And certainly there is a chronological cutoff in the Aged Care Act about your ability to access aged care services. Although there is capacity in the Act to extend those services to people who are chronologically younger under special circumstances. People who require support services who do not fit that chronological age or the special circumstances determined by the Aged Care Act receive services um, under what will now become the National Disability Insurance Scheme. Mm -hmm. And they are functional support services. When you propose that there are not enough services for people who are aging with HIV. 
we would propose it and it's yet to be determined how many services we're going to need and are there enough of them but we can propose that that is going to be a problem both in the quantity of services that are available and in the quality of services that are available when you think about the specific needs of people with HIV who are aging. Okay. But if you take it back a little bit further, so you say if I'm a 50-year-old male and I'm, you know, aging and have been diagnosed with osteoporosis, is it true yeah. that perhaps some of the drugs that are available to me is limited because of my age? So the changing in the medications that are available to people with HIV tends to be related to the changing bodies of people who are aging. So all people who are aging require a review of their medications because as our kidneys get older, they don't work as well. As our livers get older, they don't work as well. And these are these are organs that process medications. So if they process them slowly, we might need lower doses. And whether those drugs are available in lower doses and how that is crafted from a pharmacy point of view is going to be one of the emerging challenges of the health and medical services that are provided to people living with HIV. You mention osteoporosis as a as something which a person with HIV may have to manage. Osteoporosis is a medical condition and the support services that are provided to people who are aging are not focused on medical conditions. They're focused on functional need. So that is the the supports that you might require to have a good, happy life. Okay. So osteoporosis in and of itself wouldn't give you access to support services. It has implications for health and medical services, which is a different part of the, the framework that is there for supporting people as they age. Check it out. So if we take up that point about um, access to health and medical services, so yeah. some of these, some of the drugs that are available to people who are aging and have various illnesses along the way, aren't they age-determined whether you can actually access those drugs? My answer to that question is I do not know. Certainly those are some of the questions that we are going to explore in our HIV and aging project, which began at the on the 1st of July this year, to look at those um, very detailed understandings of the interface of people who are aging and the services which are available. Okay, and, and that's really good. I mean, can you tell us a bit, little bit more about this um, HIV and aging project that's starting? So um, by 2020, almost 45% of people with HIV in Australia are going to be over the age of 50. We understand that people who are aging with HIV are having a different experience to the general population that is aging with HIV. This is because of a number of factors. The first being that people who are aging with HIV have been on medications usually for quite some time and the original medications had their level of toxicity which was acceptable but challenging. Of course, medications over that time for HIV have changed and their impacts on the body are less challenging than the previous generations of combinations. But the impacts that they do have and that they did have 
we believe are going to impact on the process of aging with HIV. In addition to that, we have the normal aging process that people with HIV will also experience. And this idea of low-grade inflammation, which seems to be part of the process of aging with HIV, which is only just becoming to be better understood. Inflammation causes increased rates of heart disease. We believe it's got an influence on diabetes development. And certainly there is a component of neurocognitive decline, which is associated with um, inflammation. Now, the details of that are yet to be understood. And then there are the specific subpopulation impacts that we also have to consider. So women are more likely to develop osteoporosis. Um, People from Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander backgrounds already have um, excessively high rates of heart disease and diabetes and psychological distress. And of course, people from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds, particularly from countries that are developing, will carry particular issues related to aging with HIV. So all of that will combine into HIV and aging experience. What we do seem to be understanding is that contrary to what we felt a few years ago, that people with HIV were experiencing an accelerated aging, and that is they were experiencing age-related conditions at 50 that the general population was experiencing at 60. That doesn't seem to be the case. But what does seem to be the case is that they're experiencing this thing called an accentuated aging. So that is that when things are occurring, they're occurring to a, a much greater degree than they are to their partner cohort that does not have HIV. So in other words, what you're saying is that when we get these uh, diseases that perhaps, or the medical conditions, they're hitting us harder? Yes. Yes. Okay. So when you look at people who have been positive for a very long period of time and may have been diagnosed in their their early 20s, the idea of HIV and ageing would not have been around, but now they're hitting these things. What do you have to say to the people who are in their 40s and and early 50s about HIV and aging? Well, the first thing that I would say is that this is a cause for celebration. Those of us who acquired HIV in our earlier adulthood, and I'm one of them, have something to celebrate in our longevity because most of us weren't told that we would live to a ripe old age. Most of us, particularly in the early um, highly active antiretroviral therapy, um, were told that we were just buying some time. And now we find ourselves in our 50s and in our 60s. And that is something to celebrate. However, we are not having a life like people who do not have HIV are having a life. Things are different for us. And there are things that we can do that can ameliorate the challenges that that presents. And the first thing that uh, that is very important is this thing called retention in care. So we know that when problems occur in our lifetime, the earlier that we find out about these things, the better it is to fix them up, to, to do something about it. And retention in care is that series of behaviours that keep us connected to the health and medical services that are tasked with assisting us to achieve the best health and well-being that we can achieve. So that having a relationship with the doctor, keeping a relationship with the doctor or other health service providers will be paramount to 
identifying, addressing things that will occur to us as we age with HIV. Now, that's not just advice for people with HIV who are aging, it's advice for everybody. It's just more important for us because of the accentuated aging story. The second thing is, the research is very, very clear that the most important thing for people who are aging with HIV, once we correct for financial and um, and health and medical services, a number of conditions, et cetera, et cetera, is the connections that we have to our communities, the friendships that we have and the bonds that we have to the communities that we live in. They give us a sense of self-worth, they give us a reason to get out of bed in the morning, and they give us a reason to keep moving and doing things. So that would be the most important message that I would give to people with HIV is keep retained in care, and if you don't already have it, create some connections with community and maintain those connections. Good friends, our family, and other people in our community who we can help as well as they help us are going to be paramount to living a good quality of life as we age with HIV. Check it out. So if someone is going into a nursing home or considering going into a nursing home, what sort of tips or, or, or things should they be looking for? The movement from um, your own home into residential aged care is a challenging experience at a time when people are feeling very vulnerable. It's challenging for everybody. And one of the things, though, that we are hearing from people who are making that transition is that sometimes it is a relief though because people who go into residential aged care go there because it's what they need at this stage of their life to be able to maximize their quality of life so i would suggest that one of the really important things to understand in that process is that this should be seen as something that is about enhancing your quality of life the second thing would be you're moving into an area that does not share our experience of living with HIV. There are some changes happening in that area. There are advocacy agendas, which include addressing the needs of the aged care workforce, looking at the special needs of people with HIV who are accessing any kind of the functional support agencies that people are delivered in their home. So there's a lot of work going on. But people moving into an aged care, certainly residential aged care, should be aware that those services may not be cognizant of our particular needs. Mm, yeah. And our connection to community and people who come to see us in aged care, residential aged care services, will be able to advocate on our behalf, will be able to keep us connected to community so that we retain a sense of our own identity in that community. And we should work very hard to maintain that, both in the years leading up to the time when such a decision might need to be made and when we become residents in aged care services. So once again, the trailblazers from the 80s and 90s who might be ageing are going to be trailblazers again um, entering into nursing homes if they so choose. Ah, yes, and that's such a bittersweet statement when we think about the challenges and the energy that it has required from us as uh, the vanguard of the um, body positive um, 
since the since the 80s. Mm. Can you talk about the My Age Care scheme that the government have and the idea that um, people can be assessed through, and well, in Canberra it's called an ACAT assessment, yes. um, and age in their home? Aging in the home. Yeah, sure. So My Aged Care is a innovation by um, the Department of Aging in Canberra that um, that has been developed in recognition that people who are aging are central to deciding how the services that they require, particularly to remain at home, should be collated. And the way that people access the My Aged Care is that an application is made for an aged care assessment, which are performed by this team called the ACAT team or the Aged Care Assessment Team. And then they make recommendations to the Department of Aging for a package to be allocated. Now, the number of packages that are available in Australia is capped, but it is reviewed on an annual basis. And essentially what happens is an application is made, the application is received, it's either rejected or it's accepted, and then a bucket of money is made available for the individual to then be able to purchase um, the services for which they require through the My Aged Care portal. So all the agencies across Australia register with My Aged Care and you can access them and they'll and then you do your research and select the services that are in your area and that are suitable for your needs. Mm-hmm. Now of course there are a number of challenges with that, not the least of which is it's challenging to try to navigate new system and um, how do you know which is a good service and that is going to be tailored for you versus a generic service or versus a service which is going to have a philosophical framework which is adverse to you. Mm. So we see that as a significant challenge. The second one is this idea of neurocognitive decline in people with HIV as they age or indeed any of the aging population and so the capacity to be able to advocate for yourself and navigate that service I think needs to be addressed and to some extent it is addressed but our aged care project hopes to tease that apart in more detail to see how people living with HIV who are aging can maximise their benefit from the My Aged Care system. Yeah so just to clarify, My Age Care is available to people who are 65 plus um, yep. and there are other services in the community. If you're below 65, there's certainly in Canberra we can connect people too. With the uh, My Age Care, I think it's also important to note that um, there's a lot of, I suppose it's an old term, but psychosocial stuff that they can do. They can take you shopping, they can go for outings. There's uh, The bucket of money that's available is actually quite broad Um, but the assessment does need to be quite comprehensive. Yes, and it's important to note that it's a functional assessment, not an assessment of disease process. And that's quite challenging for people with HIV because our narrative has been about our medical needs. And we're going to have to rethink that narrative when we move into disability and aged care services. And I say disability services because you talked about that people can access services 
before the age of 65, but that's done through the disability framework or the National Disability Insurance Scheme. So in some cases, they're going to be the same services. They're just going to be accessed through a different system. Check it out. So I take it that you're optimistic about the future of aged care? I am optimistic about our capacity to respond to this emerging need for people aging with HIV because we have been so successful at responding to all of the other challenges that have come up for us as we've gone through life since um, HIV appeared in Australia in the 80s. Look, one final question. What do you think the wider community can do to help ageing people living with HIV? Well, Certainly, I think there's a role for enhancing that community connectedness that we saw when HIV first manifested in its devastating form in the 80s and the 90s, when we saw community support networks in both very tangible, practical support and um, in emotional and social support really step up and assist people who are very impaired in the community. I would like to see the community, both general and specific to the subpopulations, that being gay and men who have sex with men, people from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, or people in custodial settings. I would like to see the community respond in the fantastic way it responded at the beginning of the epidemic to this emerging need. So, Bill, how do you feel about ageing with HIV? And do you have a plan in place? Ah, my personal experience. My personal experience is to celebrate the time of life that I'm in. I didn't think that I would get to over 50 And when I turned 50, it was a delicious and exciting experience for me. And I saw that the purpose of my life after this was to maximize my getting of wisdom and to share that as much as possible with my younger peers. So I find myself in a joyously anticipant state for my future years. And yes, I do have a plan. So I work very, very hard in creating my community connections, people who know me so that should I become impaired cognitively or physically, that there will be a a shared understanding of what's important for me and people can advocate for me in a much more targeted way for my particular way of thinking and being. I have an established relationship with both my general health physician and with healthcare provider for my psychological health and well-being. I have advanced care directive. I have a will and everybody who is important for me who might be involved in decisions around that. And they weren't hard conversations for me because of the nature of the relationships that I have, but they were clear. And that essentially is my safety network. I have particular concerns about what my financial um, resources are going to be like because I don't have the super that other people my age have, but there are people who are less well off than me. I don't own property, so housing, I hope, is not going to be too much of a challenge for me. But um, whatever the challenges are going to be in my later life, I am convinced that the work that I have done in 
connection and worth and meaning and and being part of my community will assist me to respond to them wherever they might occur. Check it out. So Bill, you know, when a time eventually comes, you know, perhaps another 20, 30, 40, 50 years, what what song will they be playing? What if I'm alive? Yep. <laughs> 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 it's <just> like <laughs> no. I was going to say uh, I was going to say "Ding Dong the Witch is Dead" because I don't expect to be alive in another fifty years. I think I'm really, really clear that I'm in the second half of my life, and and you know, I I, I think um, being alive in my nineties might be a a bridge too far. However, the first. The first song that comes into my mind, but I don't know that, that you might want to use that, would be Gloria Gaynor as I Will Survive. But, <laughs> um, but maybe if they can be played in, in tandem with um, Freddie Mercury's We Are The Champions, um, I would be um, quite pleased. Yeah, lovely. Look, Bill, thanks for your time today. I mean, I, as people can see from, from our discussion, it's, it's a complex, interesting, challenging, exciting area that we never thought we would get to. And I think there's further conversations to be had. And I look forward to talking to you in the future. Bill Patterson, thank you very much. You're very welcome. My thanks to Bill Patterson. My name is Marcus. Until next time, check it out. For more information, visit our website at aidsaction.org.au. Follow us on Facebook or become an AIDS Action Council member. You know you want to. LGBTIQ health, lifestyle, and community news. Check it out is brought to you by the AIDS Action Council. From Canberra. For everyone.